0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Fantastic. And uh, today we conclude with Upside Down. I'm going to be sharing this morning, Pete's going to be sharing tonight. So we're going to continue our series Upside Down. And to set the platform this morning... I want to ask you a quick question. And my question is this. How many of you remember the film, The Poseidon Adventure? You remember The Poseidon Adventure? That was made in 1972. I remember as a kid going to the drive-in with my parents to see The Poseidon Adventure, the original Poseidon. The Poseidon Adventure with Ernest Borgnine and Gene Hackman. Anyone, anyone remember that? Anybody? Yeah, that's great. For some of the younger ones, you might not remember that, but you may remember the remake called Poseidon. Do you remember that? And it had Kurt Russell and a number of others. Do you remember, Do you remember seeing that? Between the ages in this room, have you seen or heard of or know about the film Poseidon or the Poseidon Adventure? Yes? Am I talking to the right people? All right, I've made a plan for those who obviously live under a rock. I'm going to play a short snippet of the film Poseidon, which was made in 2006, okay? So get your popcorn out, and if we can have uh, the film ready to go, is that okay? Turn your attention to the screen and watch Poseidon 2006, Kurt Russell. Poseidon was the god of the sea. When he was in a good mood, Poseidon created new lands and calm seas for clear sailing. And so, what better way to celebrate the birth of a new year than born on the back of the old fellow himself? May you all have clear sailing in the new year and all the years to come. I'd like you to call me at midnight, for old time's sake. You think I don't want to wear it? I don't know. It's starting to wonder. New Year's is never what you expect, is it? Happiest time of my life is when I was (laughs) broke. All in. You think he's bluffing around? I I think this is going to be a very interesting night. you feel that? Something's off. moment of your lives we will You want to watch the film now? Bear with me. You can go and hire it today, okay? You can watch it this afternoon. But the, the film Poseidon will never be the same again after I finish talking this morning. The story of Poseidon is simply this. A passenger ship set sail for a three-hour tour. Now that's Gilligan, Sorry. Getting my stories a little bit mixed up. Passenger ship sets sail and it gets capsized by a tidal wave. In an upside down ship, everything that was once familiar is no longer familiar to them. In order to survive, they have to think upside down. For this bunch of passengers that survived the initial tidal wave and the turning of the ship, they have to do something in order to survive that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. They have to now, in an upside down ship, go to the bottom to get to the top. They've got to go to the bottom of the ship to get to the top of the ocean in order to survive. If you've seen the film, you'll know that there's a lot of arguments that take place because that's madness to go to the bottom of the ship. And a lot of people lost their lives because they said, No, 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 we're going to go to the top of the ship. But didn't go into the top of the ship, they went further down in the ocean. In an upside down ship, you've got to think in an upside down way. And I want you to know that this world we live in is an upside down world. And it was turned upside down the moment Adam ate from the apple. In the garden, many, many years ago. The moment Adam rebelled against God, he turned everything on its head. Prior to that moment, Adam was living in a right side up environment. Everything was right and everything was in order according to God's will and God's ways. But when man rebelled against God, it turned everything on its head. And in order for us to put things right side up, we have to think upside down. In a world that is upside down, that thinks it's right side up. Does that make sense? We have to think upside down. We have to think opposite to everyone else in order to survive, in order to thrive, in order to please God. Because we have had our world turned upside down when man rebelled against God. Talk about a paradox. That's what this whole series is about. Doing the opposite of what makes sense to the natural mind in order to survive. This is what Jesus spoke into. This is what was behind many of Jesus' parables. Jesus made many paradoxical uh, teachings in and around thoughts of the kingdom of God and the reason he did that is because what was normal to mankind and what is normal to mankind today is not working and so Jesus said things like if you want to be first then you've got to be last if you want to be free then you've got to become a slave if you want to live then you've got to die these are the teachings that are in and around this whole upside down series and we want to continue on with them today The thought I want to bring to you today is simply this. In order to receive, we have to give. You've got to give to receive. You've got to give if you want to get. You know, there was a study done in America more recently. And the question was asked, how much money do you need to be happy And the person who was on about $35,000 answered, I reckon for me to be happy and my family to be happy, we would need $60,000. The person that was earning $60,000 said, in order for us to be happy, we reckon we would need about $100,000. And the person that was earning $100,000 said, we probably need about $200,000 to be happy. In other words, give or take, every person that was interviewed and every person that was surveyed basically said, we need twice as much as we presently have in order to be happy. Only to find that when you got twice as much, you wanted twice as much more. And then when you got twice as much more, you wanted twice uh, twice as much more. And so begins the rat race that this world is on, that more is more. And the Bible says the exact opposite. And if we're going to have peace and if we're going to have joy and if we're going to live the life that God wants us to live, we have to take seriously these upside down teachings of Christ. We can't just poo-hoo the whole thought that God is a God that's for us and is teaching us in order to get us to become more and more like Him. And when I talk about giving and when I talk about finances, people get very cynical and very sceptical very quickly. And so I want to read to you a portion of Scripture. It's not a parable, it's not a story, it's of a young man that came to Jesus. The little heading in your Bible might be the rich young ruler. And it's found in Mark chapter 10, and I want to read from verse 17. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 31, Jesus started on his way and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit Eternal life. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. uh, Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All of these I have kept since I was a boy. These next words amaze me. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. That amazing. He loved him. He says, one thing you lack. He wasn't telling him off, he wasn't rebuking him. He was lovingly giving him some advice in order to help him. He says, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciple, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, but not with God, uh, all things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me. And the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields. And with them, persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. What an incredible story. Jesus was not Bible bashing this young man. The young man came to Jesus. The young man fell at the feet of Jesus. And he asked a question, and Jesus was simply responding, that's all. It wasn't Bible bashing. He was simply responding to a question asked by this rich young ruler. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think every person in this room would love to inherit eternal life. And I think Jesus wants this young man to inherit eternal life. And so instead of lying to him, instead of just putting it up, he tells him the truth because it's the truth that will set you free. It's the truth that will give you eternal life. Not somebody's thoughts. And so he tells this young man the truth. You would inherit eternal life? That's that's a great desire. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. This is how you do it. I want you to give away everything you have. Wow. Really? Really? See, before you adopt an attitude toward the church, before you want to adopt an attitude toward me into this teaching and say, "Ah, oh, the trouble is with the church, I just want your money. Just, let's just put that notion aside and look at the words of Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to inherit eternal life, give everything you've got. I didn't say that. The modern church didn't come up with this notion. The saviour of the world did. And Jesus says, go and sell everything. And it says, the young man went away really sad. Which means he wanted Jesus, he wanted eternal life, but not as much as he wanted his money. Which brings another biblical truth to light. You'll either serve God or money. You'll either love God or money. This issue of giving... It's all about who do you love and what do you love most? That's what it's about. And it says, he went away sad. But I think we can read into the story, there was another sad person. And the other sad person in the story is Jesus. That watched a young man go away. I think Jesus was sad. And the reason this young man went away is because he didn't understand the power of giving. He didn't understand the joy of giving. He didn't understand the significance of giving. And I believe many of us in this room don't understand the importance, the power and the significance of giving. Otherwise we do it more often and we do it with greater joy and we do it with greater regularity. And so this morning in my short time together, I wanna just highlight some things about giving that will hopefully help you change your mind and bring greater biblical understanding in the area of giving. When it comes to giving, we need to understand that giving makes you like God. How can I say that? Because God is a generous God. God is a giving God. God uh, doesn't hold back anything. He gave of heaven's best when He sent His Son. God is a generous God. And if we become more generous, we're going to become more like God. And if we become more like God, and we become, uh, through becoming more generous, people are going to take more notice of us. The Bible says it this way, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, our treasure is like a magnet. It, it pulls us toward where our money is. And if we invest in the kingdom of God, if we invest in God, we'll become more like Him. It's simple. We'll become more like God. You always become more like those you hang around. Have you noticed that? You just do. As a young man growing up who worked for my dad, I did an apprenticeship with my dad and it was amazing. The more I hung around my dad, the more I picked up his characteristics and his traits. And we were learning a trade, it was sign writing. And and because I was watching my dad so intently, there was much about what I learned, much about my style that was very similar to my dad's. And I could go out and do a job by myself and the owner of the business would look at my work and say, I can tell whose son you are. I can tell whose son you are just because of the way I wrote a few letters. That that S, dad had this incredible S um, that was just his signature S, but I ripped it off. And that S alone made me my dad's son. If we start being generous, we're going to start reflecting the generosity of our father. And people are going to say, oh, I I know whose son you are. You're you're one of God's sons. Because only God is that generous. Generous. And God's going to get glory and God's going to get honour and God's going to get the recognition to our lives. And that's what it means by being witnesses. Being witnesses is not preaching a message and living another way. Some of you, to be honest, you'll never get any of your friends and family to come to church. You never will. You can invite them a thousand times and they'll never come because of you. Because of the way you live your life. Jesus, uh, the Bible says, be my witnesses. In other words, just be a witness. Yeah. If you have to speak, speak. But if you don't, just, just be a witness by your lifestyle. Yeah, good. Be a witness by what you do. Be a witness with how generous you are. And generosity is not just restricted to money. It's restricted. It, 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 it's, 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 there's no limitations. You can be generous in all sorts of ways. You can be generous with your words by just saying, you look fantastic today. You might've noticed some woman who's walked in today and she's had her hair done and you know she looks great. Now, are you gonna give her a compliment or not? Or are you gonna hold on to that? If you give a compliment, you might receive a compliment. If you give praise, you might receive praise. Or you might say, I'm not gonna, no, shoot, 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 no, I'm not gonna do that. Maybe there's some young guys who've just done something fantastic. They've played an incredible set this morning. And you look at them and think, gee, that was, he was brilliant. And secretly you'd love to be able to play as well as they do. But you're not going to say anything to them because they might get a big head. No, no, I want to tell you to give them encouragement. Just give. And if they do get a big head, this is what I know. Life will knock out any big headedness. You can't encourage somebody too much. Because life has an incredible way of knocking the living stuffing out of you. Life will do that. You don't have to. You don't have to be the church watchdog. You don't have to make sure this church stays on track. You don't have to do that. It's not your call. It's not your gift. You don't. The church doesn't need any more watchdogs. It needs encouraging dogs. It needs people who give praise and give honour and give glory and give encouragement. Encourage somebody right now. Why did you do that? Just give it somebody encouragement right now. Go on, just do it. Just encourage somebody. Say, I like your hair, looking good today. <laughs> Awesome! You know, every time I ever, ever do that, every time it always ends in laughter and joking and smiles. That's the great thing about giving. It's it's, it's just, it's awesome. It's a blessing. I've never done that, and at the end it was like, "Mm, that that was a waste of time. One told me I was flipping awesome. That was a waste of time. I went, no, really, no, you're awesome. No, you're no, you're awesome. And so it is with giving finance, and so it is with giving price, so it is with giving. Why not? Why why does everything have to go on eBay so you can make some money? Why not give some stuff away? I'm tired of eBay. I really am. I've never ever put. Any, I'm, not, I'm not. It's not an anti eBay message, but but why not give something away? Why not? You've got these great shoes that you've outgrown or whatever the kids have outgrown. Just give them away. Why don't you have to make money? Or why, why is it all about you? Why not bless somebody? What I, what I love, what I love, what I love about Christianity is God gives heaven's best and it's free. It wasn't free to him. It cost Jesus his life, but it's free to us. He didn't, he didn't put Jesus on show and say, Hey, you like it? How, how much? Going once, twice. No, just, just take it. Receive. The more generous we are, the more like God we become. And don't ever think that you can be so generous that you are more generous than God. I'd love to give more, but I just don't want to you know, outdo God. I just, I just don't want to. Not even close. Never happen. Never happened. Never happened. Secondly, giving draws you closer to God. Some of you are oh, heresy. It's the blood of Jesus that gets it. Yes, yes, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a confession of our sin. Yes, you're right. But I also believe coupling all of that as the foundation is this truth that giving draws us closer to God. I do believe, like I've already said before, that where your treasure is there, your heart is. And as we, it's like a magnet. As we, as we give to God, it draws us closer to Him. If, if you give to drugs, it draws you closer to drugs. If, if you give to football, it draws you closer to football. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I believe that in giving, it draws us closer to God. Because we start to appreciate the things that he's done for us. We start to recognise the things that he's done for us. We start to come into line with the things that he's done for us. Thirdly, giving is the antidote to materialism. See, the issue with this young, rich young ruler is that he was greedy. Simple as that. And he was, he was bound by materialism. He was bound by the love of money. He was bound by things. And Jesus wanted to set him free from that. And there's only one way you can be set free from the love of money, and that's the love of God. It's the only one way. Giving will break the grip that that materialism has on you. There's no other way. It's, it's, It's an act of defiance against greed, and it will break the power that greed has over you. In Matthew chapter six, verse twenty seven, it says you cannot serve two masters, either you will hate one and love the other. you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Isn't it amazing that God in his wisdom knows it's going to come down to those two things God or money? God or money. You'll either serve God Almighty or the Almighty Dollar. And I believe the reason the materialism has such a hold on people in their thinking is because they associate net worth with self worth. And that's why we've taught on our identity series. That's why we've taught what we do week after week to try and break the disparity between those two things. Your net worth has nothing to do with your self worth. We have to break the connection between money and security and money and success. Money alone does not make you successful. There are many people with lots of money, but they've lost their health, they've lost their marriage, they've lost their family, they've lost lots. And all they've got is money. And the whole message of Christ is there's more to life than just things. There's more to life than just things. You're not going to hear this teaching outside of church for the most part. What you're going to hear in this world is get all you can, be all you can. Our accountant is telling us that we need to have a few properties behind us because of you know, setting ourselves up for the future. I'm saying, that's cool. I believe in preparing for the future in measure. But what about my present? What about my kids in the here and now? There's one thing I learned growing up. That most of my memories as a kid happened in and around the holiday period. So many of my memories are being on holiday. And we didn't have a lot of money, but we went away lots. Whenever we could, we went away. We had little holidays here and it usually involved being in a tent somewhere. And I've taken that into my parenting thing. You know what? Probably one of the best things I can give our kids is holidays. Time away. That 100 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, whatever, we, we can talk about, oh, you remember when we went here, remember when we, there? remember when we did this, remember when we did that. And we spent time together. And we've had some really good holidays. One, because we've been wise, because we've saved our money, but because we've gone without a lot of other things, because I prioritised time with our family. You're not going to hear a lot of that in this society in which we live. What you're going to hear is you need more money, so mum and dad both need to be out, and now somebody, you actually have to earn enough money to pay somebody else to look after your kids while you go out and work. It's insane. It's insane. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Number four, giving strengthens your faith. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, this one thing you lack. In other words, behind the words of Jesus is him empowering him. You lack one thing. I want to give you strength to overcome this one area of your life. The teaching that you receive Sunday after Sunday is all about empowering you. you like this, come on. If you, if you do this, you'll be stronger in this area. That's what it's all about. See, the question we all have to face is this. Can God be trusted with my money? At the end of the day, all the arguments in and around tithing, in and around offering, in and around 10%, 20%, 10%, whatever it is, The real issue is this, can God be trusted with your money? We've we've disguised that one question with lots of other arguments. But behind all those arguments is this one thing, can God be trusted? And there's only one way you'll know whether he can be trusted or not, by putting your trust in him. And so we argue whether tithings, Old Testament or New Testament, it's got nothing to do with it. Can God be trusted with our money? Can God be trusted with our future and our eternity? It's an issue of faith. And when you put God to the test, and when you place your trust in God in any area, and you do it long enough, and you look back over your shoulder and think, wow, God can be trusted, and it builds your faith. I have no issue whatsoever. It is never a test for me to give 10% of my income. I settled that a long time ago and I've been doing it for so long now. I have no issue with it, no crime with it whatsoever. It's not about whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. It's can God be trusted? And God has proven Himself faithful to me over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And so my understanding and perception of God is this: God can be trusted. And so now I want to increase the percentages. If he can be trusted with this much, what about if I give him this much? Yes, he can be trusted with that too. And so if you're struggling in the area of giving, in particular, the area of tithe and offerings, the real issue is can he be trusted? Is God's word true? Is he a God of integrity? Like I've said many times before that if Matt sitting here on the front row says to me I'm going to be at the prayer meeting and I believe him that says more about his integrity than my faith in him. I can place my faith in his word because he's proved himself true over and over again. And my story is just one of many, many stories. In this church alone, let alone the church around the world, where God has been proven faithful in the area of finance and in the area of giving. If you are not a giver, I want to encourage you to get involved in giving. To get involved in giving. And it will strengthen your faith. It'll test your faith, but that's how your faith gets stronger. Doesn't mean it's always going to be a okay. you know, I've, I've been involved in gym work long enough to know that what, what what grows a muscle is resistance. You can get in the gym and just use all the light weights and and, and never change, but it's putting a bit of resistance that brings the growth. And so, yeah, your test will be faith, uh, your your faith will be tested, but in being tested, it'll get stronger, and in getting stronger, that's where the growth is. And so, through giving, your faith will be strengthened. Fifthly, giving is an investment into eternity. This story starts out as a rich young ruler. Somewhere in this young man's life, he became an old rich ruler. And a few more years on from that, this story goes into the dead rich ruler. Young, old, dead. It's the story of all of us. Here's a news flash for every one of us. You're all going to die. Thank you, <laughs> it's awesome news this morning. The question is, where are you going to spend eternity? This rich young ruler went away sad. And with every day that passed, it got older and older and older. And the thing about death is this. You can't take anything with you. You can't take money, clothes, homes, life insurance. You can't take any of that with you. All you can take into heaven, ultimately, is what you did with what you had while here on planet Earth. That's all you've got. Jesus goes on to say, nobody who is given will not receive 30, 60 or 100 fold. I don't know a bank on the planet that's offering that type of interest rate. If a bank was offering 10% right now, we say, oh, that's a great deal. 10%. If a bank was offering 20%, percent you say, man, put, put your money in there, 20%. Jesus starts at 30. Then doubles that and says 60. And then throws in a hundredfold. Nobody. You can, in other words, you can be absolutely assured that your giving here on earth is not in vain. It's not in vain. And I don't care how tight it gets for you. I don't care who you're hanging around and what they say and what the economy is like. Nothing changes this word. Nothing changes it. It's an investment into heaven. You can't take anything with you, but you can send it ahead of you. Every time we give, it's just investing stuff into heaven, investing a heaven, investing a heaven, investing into heaven. Every kind word, investing into heaven. Every act of kindness. Jesus says, when you help the person in prison, you're helping me. When did we see you in prison? When you went to jails and when you went to the hospitals and when you helped that old lady with her groceries, and when you just bought somebody something and they don't even to this day know who it was. You're investing in heaven. You're putting money away in heaven. And I I don't know what it looks like, but imagine, imagine one word of kindness in heaven. You've got 30 angels just saying, hey, welcome. 60 angels, 100 angels, hey, welcome. Number six, giving will bless you. Giving will bless you. The unfortunate thing about the rich young ruler is he thought... He thought that he was losing. And God actually wanted to bless him. God can bless us in many ways, particularly in the area of finances. But three ways he'll bless you is this. He can increase your salary. He can decrease your expenses. And he can protect your commodities. We see that with the Israelites and their sandals never wore out. We had more men than expected at the men's meeting yesterday. I love that. It was just awesome. Our culture says, "Ah, oh, man, don't hold a men's breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning. Men aren't going to get up for that. Well, we're finding they do. And we find more than we expect do. And so we, were, we, we didn't have all the food we needed. We only catered for a certain number. And yet no one went without. I'm telling you, God, somehow, I imagine it's like, oh, we haven't got, no, got enough bacon. I keep serving it up and God, just, it just, God just, just, I don't know where the bacon came from. I don't know where the eggs came from. It just came. And I love that. It doesn't add up. And I love that. This upside down teaching doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't add up. This is the world's way. Two plus two equals four. That's what we were drummed into us at school. Five plus two equals seven. But with God, it's not like that. God takes five loaves and two fish and makes it equals 5,000. God's economy is not like our economy. And if you tap into God's ways, you'll get God's results said, so Lord, we, we haven't got enough food here. We, just, we haven't catered. There's too many guys that actually want to come out on a Saturday morning. What an incredible problem. I don't think God goes, oh, I'm going to punish you now. No, God says, this is awesome. This is great. Here, give more bacon. Guys, cook to my, all, all the angels in heaven cooking bacon, throwing it down. Just, just like, <laughs> Master, bless us. This is not the prosperity. I hate the prosperity gospel with a passion. This just give to get. That's not why we do it. That's not our motivation, but it is a result. God says he will bless us. It is a promise nonetheless. It's not my motivation, but it is a promise. My motivation is out of love for God. It's it's not my my drive. I don't do it to get. I do it because I love God and I do it because I realise if He never blesses me anymore, He's blessed me enough with the greatest gift of all, His Son, Jesus Christ. But Your Word did say You'll bless us anyway, Lord. So, you know, oh, my name's Jimmy. I'll take what you give me. Come on, give me what You've promised in Your Word. I love it. There's so much about this church that doesn't make sense and I love that. Just talking to some of our leaders just this morning, I say, you know, I never want to work God out so much. And everything, just so, all our ducks lined up in a row so much that we don't need God. I love those stories. That there was enough bacon and eggs. I love that. Just a little thing. And I'd love to tell you I'm surprised, but I'm actually not. It's kind of of what the God I love would do. Just cook some extra bacon and eggs for us. He does that. So giving will bless you. Bob Gass says that the offering time is not how God gets money from us, it's how he gets money to us. When we give, that's how he gets money to us. So they gave, I'm just going to give them. That's, That's how he does it. And my last point this morning is simply this giving makes you happy. Unfortunately, the rich young ruler went away sad. Why? Because he didn't give. Most rich people I know aren't as happy as they make out to be. They have, may have moments of happiness because they've got certain things that they can do to bring happiness. But I'm talking about a contentment, I'm talking about a joy. I'm talking about a joy that you have, whether you've got stuff or not. Paul says, I've learned what it is to be well-fed and hungry. I've I've learned what it's like to be well-clothed and naked. And I've learned to be content no matter what the circumstance or what the situation. We don't want to just get money so we can have a happy life. But the key to happiness, true happiness, true joy, is actually through giving. It's being able to use what God's given us to bring a smile on someone else's face. You can't replace that. And God wants us to get involved in that kind of giving. It's Jesus hanging on a cross, giving his life. And then seeing people 2,000 years later, all over the globe, worshipping. Where does that joy come from? It comes through giving can our musicians please come in Acts chapter 20 verse 35 it says it's more blessed to give than receive now hey if anyone wants to put me in the test and give me something I'm sure I'll be happy it's great when you receive I get that there is a happiness that comes through receiving but the Bible says there is a greater joy that comes through giving. You can interpret everything that's been shared this morning as a subtle ploy of the church yet again to get money out of my pockets and you would have missed the point. I'm simply here to remind you through this whole series that normal is not working. The normal way of thinking is get all you can, be all you can. Rip everyone off. The more you can get, the better. The better. That way of thinking is not working. I'm here to try and encourage you to try God's ways. God knew his people would struggle with this and that's why in his Bible he says test me in this. It's the only time God asks us to test him and it's in the area of money because he knows what a grip money has on us. God in his foreknowledge and in his wisdom knows the power of that materialism has on people's lives. "Go going, I dare you, test me. Just imagine for a moment, I was asking every one of you to, to, to tithe one-tenth of your income. And if you were not better off in six months, I will reimburse you what you are not better off in. Every one of you would say, yeah, that's a no brain. I'll do that thus showing yourself to put more faith in me than in God's word. Why not do it because God said? Not because Tony will reimburse you. In actual fact, you'd have more luck with God than with me. We live in an upside down world. And in order for us to put things right side up, we have to do things The opposite of what we are being taught and what is being modeled to us. In a world that says get, 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 we have to do the opposite and give, give, give. Christianity starts with giving. For God so loved the world, He gave. For Jesus so loved the world, He gave His life. You want to be a Christian? It means a life of giving. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about singing songs. It's about giving of ourselves. That we reflect our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.